0: David Sachs has a new book out called The Revenge of Analog, and I'm so into this because I am so analog. I have a prologue and an analog. That's all I have, and an epilogue I expect to have, but I'm so analog. It's a book about, uh, also the sub of it is called uh, Real Things and Why They Matter, because we're losing that whole thing that things, it's nice when things are real sometimes and not virtual. Uh, And let's, uh, David, are you there? How uh, are virtually,
1: you? Virtually, virtually unfortunately, not not in real life.
0: Yes, but still with your analog I think somewhere along the line.
1: Somewhere 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 amidst these ones and zeros there's a real human being.
0: Yeah. Are you an analog person just by nature is that why the interest in this or?
1: Well, well, first of all, we all we are all analog people by nature. Yes. Um, if if, <laughs> if we're not an analog person we're a simulation. Um, okay. But you know, I, I have an affinity for uh, for real experiences, real objects. I, you know, I collect way too many vinyl records. I have towers of books and magazines toppling over in my house. And um, you know, if given the chance on a Saturday, I would, I will turn my phone off for the entire day. Um, I always say that you know, if if it's a the digital version of the real version, the real version is always going to be better.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for not turning your phone off today.
1: <laughs> you're the exception to my rule.
0: I know, and probably you're going to regret that, too. <laughs> but you know, I, I, am, I'm, I, I was doing a show in Oklahoma City a couple of years ago, and a young man came up to play the quiz on the stage, and he looked at my stuff, and I, I have a recipe box here that has quiz questions in it, and I have a legal pad that I write everything on, my so-called jokes and everything. And he said, man, you're analog. And I didn't realize it until then, but yes, in fact, I am analog. Because why would you digitalize everything uh, when you can act, just put on a piece of paper and always have it there in your hand?
1: You know? Right. Unless there's a fire or a flood, which I imagine in the middle of the taping would probably cause other sort of complications. Yeah. Nothing's going to take that away. Right, um, But, you know, if uh, the, the odds of your iPad crashing are, are pretty high.
0: Yeah. yeah, If the Dead Sea Scrolls had been on a, an iPod, we would not have them today.
1: Right, or just be an obsolete device in a cave somewhere.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> outside Jerusalem. But you know, i digital is, is, is to me it's like the most isolating thing in the world. Everything is, is digital for the ease of of storage and 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 for the fact that it it can be uh, uh, everything now is it goes through a tube and it's all content. So everything the the, the idea is to make everything content so it's transportable digitally. And that's a whole different way of, of, of creating, you know, for that with that in mind.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it, you know, that it changes the nature of, of the final product uh, just by by virtue of, of the process that it imposes on it, um, which you know sounds very Marshall McLuhan, but the yeah. reality is that you know if you're limited in doing something by being able to replicate it physically, you're having to do, let's say, a live show in a live place onto radio. You know, those restraints is actually what makes it great, right? That's what makes the show memorable, because there's an audience and you know that if you say something and you get it wrong, there's no redoing it, there's no takeover, there's no editing it after fixing it in post-production. That's what makes these things exciting.
0: Yeah. And also, in in this, it's it's sort of broadcasting versus narrowcasting. Right now you're doing a product that's downloadable on a device. And so that's where the orientation is. It's not so much about an audience thing or uh, you know, broadcasting. It's narrow casting, really. Right. Good, I'm glad I was right about that. Then <laughs> uh, we can go on to something else now. I mean, so you went, more or less went around the world and found various ways that analog is having its revenge now uh, in, in virtually every field, from film to, uh, uh, to schooling, to, to everything. And, and like, and let's, let's talk about vinyl, for example.
1: Uh, well, vinyl is the uh, yeah. biggest thing right now. Yeah, um, it it is, uh, you know, we had Record Store Day three weeks ago today. uh, No, two weeks ago today, um, which was an international phenomenon. It was the 10th year of it. You know, in the first year, they basically, a couple of record stores got together and said, let's have some sort of celebration to get some press to write something about us other than the fact that we're all dying. Um, And people showed up. And people started buying records again. And and every year since then, the vinyl industry has grown by double digits and posts record numbers year over year. You know, this year for record store day, there were thousands of record stores around the world most of whom hadn't even existed 10 years before. Um, and there were lineups going around the corner in many of these stores. I don't know what the one is in Madison. I, I know there's a couple there. Um, uh, you know, when people are lining up to buy records and not just dusty old, you know, Boston, that, that first Boston album that's in, that's in every uh, dollar bin besides Ben Neil Diamond, Jonathan Livingston, Siegel but, you know, $20 for a re-release of of a Pearl Jam record, or um, or you know a, a new a new a newly pressed um, album from Adele or uh, you know uh, Kanye West. Uh, so so the market it, it just keeps growing beyond the expectations of everyone in the music business who assumed it was you know done, buried, and, uh, and dusted.
0: Yeah, you know I was thinking the other day when when mm-hmm. someone was saying something that reminded me of uh, a broken record. You know, we used to say it sounds like a broken record. The record would skip, and you hear the same thing over, over, and over, and over again. But now you say it to someone now, they don't get it. We don't have records that are that skip, and that's right. an important loss for our culture, I think, because we have no way of describing that.
1: Oh, well, give it a few years. The, the the new ones will will endure their damage. Enough enough people, toddlers, will get a hold of their turntables, and uh, that's how you get those scratches.
0: Yeah, well, like Jack White for He's in Nashville now. Uh, you know. Uh, and he started a record company of his own, and now all his music is on uh, vinyl, and he's a big proponent yeah. of it. And
1: and you know, it, it began, uh, you know, a, closer a decade ago when you know the, the music at the record labels just weren't pressing. He they he got back the uh, record pressing rights for the White Stripes and, and his music. They, uh, the record companies were like, "Are oh, you want this stuff? Sure, go ahead, do it. can with it." And they started pressing records, and selling them. And, and now, you know, Third Man Records' his company just uh, a couple uh, months ago opened up their own record pressing plant in Detroit, where, where Jack's from. Um, and they're starting to, you know, really invest in, in not, not only selling vinyl records, but making it. Um, so there's, you know, beyond the cool factor, there's a real business here, which is now worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars a year.
0: It's still, it's still a pittance compared to overall music, and, and no one can argue. I mean, pretty much sampling now is at a point where does it sound any worse than a vinyl recording?
1: The thing is, you know, I always say sound is, sound is almost irrelevant. It's so highly subjective, right? I can listen to a really high-quality digital recording on a very nice, expensive stereo, and. Um, and that will sound better than you that know, scratchy or old record on an on a inexpensive turntable. But for me, one of them is more fun, and it has nothing to do with you know, the, the audible quality of what's coming out of the speaker so much as the, the total physical experience.
0: Yeah, but sampling will never actually reproduce the entire wave, right? I mean, it's a sample of a wave. It all it also comes down to waves in terms of music or...
1: Like surfing, yeah.
0: Like surfing. <laughs> So uh, you know, it could never actually. And, and in photography, it's much the same thing, isn't it? Because there's there's sampling. Uh, pixels are samples of colors. Right. It's it's taking something that is you know a
1: naturally occurring wave, a naturally occurring piece of energy, and you know digitizing it, taking it, and turning it into millions and millions and millions of ones and zeros to replicate it. Um, and I think you know again, initially the argument for something like photography was one of quality. Well, look at you know the highest resolution digital photograph you can get is it still doesn't capture the color and warmth of you know the best film um but now that's debatable and so the question is how does using a film camera change the process to give you something that's different and unique it can't get on film yeah. um or you can't get digitally without sort of all sorts of post-production
0: right well silver halide you can't beat it
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. all, all sorts of those explosive, highly deadly chemicals um, yeah. uh, makes makes for beautiful art.
0: Yeah, it's deadly, but made really for because of the gradations in silver halide and the and the, the old photographic process were kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, it's and, and there there is that element of I know this even if you're looking at a photograph, you don't know whether it's you know a, a film photograph or a digital one. You know when when you see a film one. There is that element, I know something's different here. There's something, I can't quite express what it is, but there's something special about it. Yeah,
0: so now there is this urge now or a motivation for people to go back to some of the earlier forms, but what, what, is, the, what is really the motivation for that for them? Is it, is it a longing for a different time? Is it because digital is just too clean?
1: I think there's, there's two key reasons. One of them is that, you know, analog... Gives people pleasure, right? Or it gives them um, um, something that they enjoy, and 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 it's worth it. It gives them an experience. So whether that is the experience of not only listening to the record, but buying the record in a store where you can chat with the people who work there and learn something new, and maybe flirt with the person that works at the cash, (laughs) Um, taking that home and bringing it to your roommate or your, your spouse or bringing friends over and talking about the record, displaying them on the wall so people start conversations with them. And even the kind of physicality of, you know, taking the album out, looking at the artwork, reading the liner notes, um, you know, putting it on, uh, that is that is an experience that people, you know, these days, because the majority of music listening is just kind of tapping on that flat screen when you're listening to Spotify. That's, that's something that's an extra. And people are sort of Driven to that, whether it's out of a sense of nostalgia or, like many of the you know, eighteen-year-olds who are out there buying turntables for the first time, it's a totally new experience. And and the same is true with photography, with you know books and shopping in bookstores, um, or or doing something like playing you know board games. Uh, and, and then I think on the other side of the equation, you know, with people like Jack White or or others who are sort of in the business realm, they see those people and they're like, you know. I know that yeah, if I take the chance to start an app company, I can have the next Spotify and make a billion dollars. But I could also probably open up a record store in you know the town that I live in, and the city that I live in, because people want to buy this stuff, and I might be able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's pretty good. Um, you know, that'll support me. That'll support my habit. That'll 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 give me a certain kind of pleasure. Um, uh, and so you know, others coming at it because it is a tool, right? Analog is a way to make money. It's a way to be productive or to create something in a different way. So, you know, a graphic designer can only use all the tools out there, you know, Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and so on. Um, But then they go back to the paper and pen because they find it liberating in a way that's very different from, you know, even the best software. Uh, And so I think it's that it gives people pleasure, but it also gives them you know, a sense of purpose and, and a tool for, you know, creativity and, and productivity.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I think writing is where it really makes a difference because if you're, if you're writing something, even in my lousy cursive, uh, it, it works to a different part of the brain than if you're at a keyboard inputting whatever it is, even if it's creative input. It's a different part of the brain.
1: Yeah. And, and, I, and it's a very individual thing. I, I think, you know, it, The idea is that, you know, a one-size-fits-all tool is very much, you know, what the world of digital is trying to push us toward and and tries to sell, right? You only need to use Apple devices, and you can take care of everything with this one phone. But the reality is that each of us finds benefits in different types of technology, whether it's analog or digital, Um, uh, and, you know, the more of it you use, the more you know, the brain, the more cognitive muscles you're kind of flexing, and the different perspectives and results you're going to get. I, I type really fast. I'm, I'm a great typer um, and a mm-hmm. terrible writer, but there are certain things I prefer to write by hand because I'll remember them or I'll input them in a different way, and that makes a result that I actually like better.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I went through a typewriter period, a uh, manual typewriter, fairly recently and trying to get back, you know. Because I thought I could write like Dashiell Hammett if, right. I, if I get the same Underwood, you had a portable Underwood uh, typewriter. So I found and, it. And I haven't ever used it, actually. I cleaned it up and got it working real good, pounded a few. but I, you know, It actually doesn't help you to be Dashiell Hammett. <laughs> it, it was unreasonable expectation. But you know what I mean? Typing something even is different than working on a keyboard or working on your, your iPad or whatever. It's a different experience because each letter is actually sort of being typeset as you go. So it's a different way of thinking about it.
1: Right, there's no delete button. You can't yeah, you know, that it, too. Can autocorrect.
0: Yeah, um, there's white
1: you out. Sort of plop, plop, exactly,
0: yeah. You know, I always think about nuns and their beautiful cursive handwriting as being the, they, they, the ones holding on to this technology of cursive handwriting, which is kind of important because it's, sort of, it's like a calligraphy for one thing. And secondly, it, I, I really do. If you're making those letters and writing them down, whatever you're writing about, I don't know what the nuns are writing about in their journals. I don't, I don't. God, I'm, I'm guessing God. No, could be, could be, not my business. But um, you're well, on the one hand, you're writing as an act of preservation. You know, this is something that you want to maybe other people to see sometime in the future. Whatever you know, and if you're a nun, it could be pretty heavy-duty stuff. But you know, that's and when we do this journal, like this whole moleskin thing now. I mean, it's about you know. There's there's something that you're writing that you want to last. You don't want it to be up somewhere in a cloud somewhere, and then you'll never see it again, and then it'll go away. It's just a, like a vapor or something.
1: Right. The the archives that you know, it, it was, you know, a hundred years from now, when when, when you uh, when you're no longer on this earth, maybe two hundred. Let's let's say you live really long, you know, and and the University of uh, of, of Wisconsin Madison, you know, has, <laughs> has the archives for the show. You know, is this just going to be a, a a cloud file somewhere in a, in a format that can't be accessed, yeah. or will it actually be you know the physical documents, the yeah. tapes, the tapes of the early shows? Yeah,
0: I don't mean about that so much. You know, that would be nice if if I were immortal, on on some level. You know, or or we were anything we did, it was you know had some longevity to it beyond us or so. But I but I mean for the person doing it, you know. It's a different experience to to be journaling, writing something in your own hand, in a journal, writing something, than it is to. I don't know. What do you do? You, you might you might blog online, but that's like a totally different experience.
1: Well, it's ephemeral, right? The the you know the the blog post or the tweet that is put out there, you know, disappears almost immediately as it appears. Um, and there's no, you know, there, there's nothing to sort of hold you to that. There's nothing that. There's no weight of it, which is why I still like writing books in paper, even though it is a, um, a crazy business to be in. Because at the end of the day, I have something that will endure, right? Even if the book goes out of print, there's still copies of it in libraries and on bookshelves and in used bookstores, and they circulate and they live and they live and they live until they either, you know, wither to dust or burn up or um, or get ruined in a flood.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there an ebook uh, revenge of analog? Yeah,
1: yeah. There's. Although, you have know, mixed feelings about it, or uh, no? I'm, I, you know, I, my favorite analog paper medium is cash, so I'm happy <laughs> to take <get to> whatever <laughs> I can get.
0: I like you. You're not real up there in the clouds about this kind of thing. I mean, no, There's no, always yeah, got to be a payoff. They, don't
1: pay me. They don't pay me in Bitcoin. So
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, I do like this. Also, this this thing about the revenge of board games. That's kind of, and that's something I think a lot of people can can relate to. Board games are back with a vengeance, Uh,
1: in a very big way. Yeah, there's been this. You know, it's interesting. You know, right as we kind of reached the peak of the sort of digital versions of these technologies, you know, music that you can stream anywhere to any device and don't even have to pay for, you know, a, a camera on your your telephone that's better than, you know, most of the cameras you had over the course of your life previous to that. And then games, right? You can now play, you know, the most incredible video games, you know, anywhere you are with anybody around the world. And right as that's happened, all of a sudden there's this concurrent boom in, you know, cardboard games, uh, board games, tabletop games with not just, you know, new versions of Scrabble and Monopoly, but, all sorts of new, interesting, independent games, innovative games, games for every type of player and on every type of theme. Uh, And and I think that's because, you know, yes, you can, you know, shoot more asteroids or or conquer more armies or, you know, uh, fling more birds at pigs uh, in all sorts of cool, graphically interesting ways on a phone, but at the end of the day, you're just, you know, pushing your finger around the screen or slapping buttons with your thumb. Um, The beauty of you know a board game is that you're sitting in front of people and having a real social interaction right. you're building friendships you're you're cementing relationships you're you're doing everything that's so much more important than what the characters or the pieces are doing on the board yeah
0: and, and i know you actually travel around the world to find examples of people who are kind of in the forefront of these things as far as the board games where, where did you go for that
1: um, actually, the board game chapter largely took place here in Toronto, about four blocks from my house. So oh, convenient. Uh, it was, it, that was it, it, a convenient it, chapter. It was the most uh, the, the most convenient thing, although, you know, so many of that is, it's a very international field. I played games that, you know, had been translated from Japanese, and the Germans are really, they've kind of been the leaders on this, uh, especially with Settlers of Catan, that's the sort of the mega, you know, multi-million copy bestseller. Um, uh, it's originally a German game, uh, and it's interesting because it's a very global market. Uh, and, and there's some incredible, you know, quirky, funny, really challenging games out there that I'm terrible at. All of them, I, I think that's the, yeah. That's, that's what I've
0: realized. And as, as far as film, actually, film uh, are, are the Russians the place? Is Russia the place to go if you need a, a, a roll of film? Go to Chrome, Rush, <laughs> Russian Chrome.
1: Russian Chrome, yeah, yeah. so the Putin Chrome, I think they call it now. Putin it's Chrome, the official yeah. name, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's highly toxic um, and, and, and terribly unreliable. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, there, there's a number of interesting, you know, film companies around the world. I mean, you still have, you know, big companies like Kodak and Fujifilm who are making camera film, um, and, and they they've now realized that there's a market there that's actually starting to grow in some ways. And have started to reintroduce products. Um, Kodak just introduced, reintroduced Ektachrome after it had been out of the market for about a decade a couple of months ago because mm. they they see that there's something there. Wow. Um, and then there are other interesting companies like this one I wrote about in Italy called Film Ferrania, which is you know something that began on Kickstarter and it was two Italian film lovers who. Went to a bankrupt Italian film company called Ferragna, which used to make all the film for Fellini films in the Italian movie industry saw this mothball factory that was literally in the process of being torn down and said hey we should save this and make film here because there is a demand for film that's out there and there's fewer places to get it and their first roll of film just got you know came off factory line four years later um, and got shipped out around the world so, um, what you know, sort of name. are they making
0: like 35 millimeter film or,
1: yeah, that's their first, their first yeah. thing. Is, I think their first film was a 45 millimeter black and white, you know, negative film. Uh, and then they, they'll they're going to introduce color film, which is a lot more complex to make. Um, and then other sorts of formats as well.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because it, it changes the whole game of, of filmmaking, the whole new parameters, and new uh, opportunities, and new uh, pitfalls, I think. Yeah, yeah, shooting on film. I, I, I watch black and white films all the time on the movie channel, and uh, I'm amazed at the photography, you know. It's so gorgeous, and you look at you know just what things are in focus, what things aren't, and the, and yeah. the disappearing, you know, in uh, the third man, in the last scene, the third man, she's walking down this long avenue of trees, and, and she walks past Joseph Cotton, and I think that shot is, just, just kills me, you know. And, well, yeah, and, so, and I mean, it's so film, it's filmic,
1: yeah. Know? You have to be deliberate with it, right? Every yeah. time you 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 turn on the camera, there's just dollars rolling through it, um, and and you really have to know your stuff, which is why, you know, a lot of filmmakers, including young filmmakers, are kind of gravitating to film. I have a friend who runs uh, one of the biggest independent film labs here in Toronto. Hmm. Uh, it's one of the biggest ones in North America, It's called Lift, and. You know, he has people from all around the world coming there to use their cameras, to to learn how to shoot on film, to edit on film. And, and you know, he said the demand is growing most in the youngest segment of kind of the experimental and art film market because people want, you know, they've learned on digital and now they want to do something that has consequences, that challenges them yeah. in a way. Um, that digital, you know, is, is very easy, and that's the great thing about it, but in many ways, you know, it, it it's that, that easy. easy, and it can be kind of like, yeah, exactly, too
0: easy. It's it a funny story about that Polaroid film that you mentioned in there, that it, how that was made available again, because Polaroid went out of business, started, stopped making it, but then how, how how did it get back in?
1: Well, it, it was, I mean, it, there was a man uh, named Florian Kapps, based in Austria, uh, Vienna, and he had, been selling kind of expired <laughs> Polaroid film. The last bit of it is Polaroid was winding down its operations, going through its second bankruptcy. And they finally invited him, as someone who had become the sort of biggest reseller and distributor of, of Polaroid stock in the market, they invited him to the closing of the last Polaroid plant in the world in the Netherlands. And as he was there, he realized. You know, once this plant closed, he was kind of out of business. I mean, there would be enough film in the market for you know two years, and then it'd be gone. And there are two hundred million plus Polaroid cameras out there in the market. He said, he spoke to one of the people there, and he's like, you know, what if we could continue and keep this plant alive and make it? And they kind of scrounged up some money and and and, and managed to pull it off. And it was this tremendous undertaking where it took them, you know, two years to reverse engineer one of the most complicated industrial products in the history of mankind mm-hmm. um, at a fraction of the cost with you know a dozen people instead of the thousands that had once worked for the company. Uh, and, and when they did, you know, the product barely worked. It it cost three times as much. You got fewer pictures. Um, and we're lucky if they developed at all. And yet. Sales grew and grew and grew, and have continued to grow, even as the products, of course, gotten better. I, and it just goes to show that you know, in 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 a market that people think is dead and finished, that there is always opportunity for for growth because the more something is limited, in some ways, the greater demand there there is for it.
0: Yeah, but outside of these little uh, applications, and they're not so little anymore; anyway. they're they're pretty big, but. I mean, don't you feel like eventually digital or whatever follows digital, multi-digital or more digital, will will kill off analog uh, entirely, wouldn't you think? Because eventually we'll be in a, in a virtual reality, which will be all digital.
1: Well, I, I think we're in, you know, we're already living kind of a post-digital world, right? Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, look, the, the reality is today, if you want to take a photo or listen to, you know, music or, or write something, the default uh, version of that is going to be a digital one. And, and that's, it's been that way for some time. And and so, you know, the growth of all these things is, is happening kind of in concert with that. And and it goes to show that even as digital grows, the demand for analog is actually only going to increase. And so the more digital things get, the more we'll sort of value and, and be willing to sort of find a place for um, analog. Goods and ideas
0: in in the world we live in. Well, we'll end on that optimistic note then. I want to thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure thank talking to you. Thank you, Michael. Revenge yeah. of Analog Real Things and Why They Matter.